Jesus calls his followers to beware covetousness, to trust in the Father's provision, and to lay up treasure in heaven. You're listening to Wonder Lake Bible Church, building mature followers of Jesus Christ. Find us online at wlbiblechurch.org. Now, here's Pastor Dan Cox with today's message. Life is expensive. Has anybody else noted that? Life is expensive, and I know with inflation, the prices of things. But I tell you, it's a real shocker. Going to the grocery store, doesn't it seem like it's a lot more expensive than it used to be not too long ago? So life certainly is expensive, and we all need money, don't we? We all need money for any number of needs that we have. But besides our needs, there are some wants that we have as well. And it isn't always bad or wrong to want something. We can sometimes have some selfish wants or desires. But life has expenses. It has needs. And there are wants, sometimes good wants. And there is also, though, there can be a pressure on us as well, a pressure to keep up with others and what others may have. And so it is not surprising then that there are any number of schemes we may run across sometimes which promise to get rich quick. I mean, you heard that phrase, get rich quick schemes, right? They said, well, we do all have needs and even some good wants, but the Bible offers us a much better approach to wealth. Rather than get rich quick, the Bible's approach is to get truly rich gradually, to get truly rich gradually. Now, I want to explain something here before we go any further here. This is important here, to get truly rich gradually. First off is truly rich. Why do I put that word truly in there? It's not get rich gradually, it's get truly rich. Well, because when I'm speaking of riches here, when the scripture speaks of riches here, we're not just speaking of the way we hear, we hear it in the world, which is what? Money and possessions, you know, accumulating stuff, right? In the Bible, riches are something a little different than just money, possessions, stuff. True riches are what? They are spiritual riches. They are things that last forever. They are things that honor God and value God and will be something that endures forever and ever. We don't want to be rich here and now just to have it all go away one day, but we want to be truly rich. We want to be rich toward God, have those things that are in our lives that are pleasing to God, honoring to God, and will resort in eternal reward. Because you know there is out there, there's a, there's a whole brand of teaching that you will see out there. You see a lot of this on so-called Christian television, where you have these teachers who are promising you all kinds of money. We call it like the health and wealth gospel, the prosperity gospel. And this idea is what, that God wants you to be rich. And, and I agree, God does want us to be rich, but I think he wants us to be rich in the way that he means in the scripture here. Whereas this idea is that God, that they're saying God wants us all to be rich materially, have lots of money in our bank accounts and a nice new car in the driveway, you know, all of those things. And again, does God know that we have needs? Of, of course he does. We do have needs. We do need money to pay for those things that we do need. And I think God is okay with us having some good gifts, some wants as well, that he blesses us with those things too then sometimes, doesn't he? But what's a problem is, is when our focus is on 
worldly riches and getting that at the expense of the true riches, which are those things which are honoring God and pleasing to God and will last forever, will be rewarded forever and ever. So we want to get truly rich. And to get truly rich, then, in that sense, it's a gradual process, isn't it? That doesn't happen overnight. You don't get truly rich quick. You get truly rich gradually over a lifetime of laying up treasure in heaven, those things that are honoring and pleasing to God then. So we are continuing then here in our series called Unique, The Life, Death, and Resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is taking a harmony of the gospel's approach to the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are following uh, the outline of those events as suggested in the book One Perfect Life by Dr. John MacArthur. For today, then, our, t- our title here is to get truly rich gradually. Get truly rich gradually. And our text is coming from Luke chapter 12, Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 34. And what is the big idea? What is the main idea that I want us to take away from the message here today? It is this, that Jesus calls his followers to beware covetousness, to trust in the Father's provision, and to lay up treasure in heaven. Beware covetousness, trust in the Father's provision, and lay up treasure in heaven. Uh, A little context before we look in our text in Luke chapter 12. Now, there are many people who had gathered around Jesus to hear his teaching. He had been in a discussion once again with the Pharisees. And when you think Pharisees, what is a word that probably comes to your mind right away when you think Pharisees? What? Uh, well, the Pharisees think what? Hypocrisy. The hypocr- you know, they were hypocrites. And this issue is there. And so Jesus had been warning them. He was warning people to beware of the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. And he's saying rather than being hypocrites and they were doing all of these things that they did, it was an outward show to receive the approval of people instead of what they should be doing is what? Fearing God. And so Jesus warns people to beware of hypocrisy, to fear God, and then to publicly acknowledge Christ. But then, as he is speaking of these things, sudden, someone suddenly interrupts him then with a rather impertinent, or that is a boldly disrespectful request of him as he is speaking. So imagine here is Jesus speaking and then and then all of a sudden here, beginning in Luke chapter 12, verse 13, we are told, then one from the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. What? But he, Jesus said to him, man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? And he said to them, take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain rich man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do since I have no room to store my crops? 
So he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have produced? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. So the first thing I want us to see in this text here is to beware covetousness. Beware covetousness. You know, here is Jesus. He's speaking of bewaring hypocrisy, fearing God, acknowledging him. And then all of a sudden, out of this crowd, here's this man that shouts out, says, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now, in those days, these brothers in inheritance, oftentimes the firstborn would receive a double portion of an inheritance. You think that ever caused any friction among some of the family members? I know that that never happens in our day, right, where people get a little uh, uptight about how things get distributed when, there's, when, when someone has passed away and things are being distributed here, right? And so this man then, he wants to drag Jesus into their family dispute about how to divide up their stuff. Now, in all fairness, it was not uncommon for people to go to their teachers, their rabbis, for help in resolving disputes. But here in this moment, as Jesus is teaching on this, this man wants to bring up this petty issue for Jesus to resolve for them. Now, this, what Jesus says then to this man, I want to suggest that what I'm about to say is what I would call an incredibly loose paraphrase, okay? So you will not find this in your, you'll find a kind of a, a, a hint of it there in the words, but I'm calling this, I want to warn you, this is an incredibly loose paraphrase for what Jesus says to this man. And he says, here, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And the incredibly loose paraphrase, Jesus says, dude, seriously? (laughs) Really? You, sir, are what someone one day will call a teachable moment, right? (laughs) See, I said it was an incredibly loose paraphrase, right? But no, this man wants to drag Jesus into this, but really, the Messiah now You think this is a good use of the Messiah's time right here now to drag your petty dispute to him, to bring it to him? But it was a teachable moment. And so Jesus then sees through this. This isn't simply a matter of figuring out a way to divide up an inheritance. Jesus was seeing through that that there was an issue, there was a Surprise, surprise, there was a heart issue underneath it all. And he saw right through it all. He could see people's hearts, couldn't he? 
And so in this moment, he sees a teachable moment here for him and for the people listening. He sees a heart issue of covetousness or greed. <laughs> Coveting is what? Is, is, it's this obsession to want to, to have something we don't have. It's a greediness. And Jesus saw that was what was going on with this man. He was greedy and covetous. So Jesus says to him, Man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Really, you, you think this is why I'm here, is to be your, the arbitrator for your petty dispute? But he said what? Take heed. Beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Now, Jesus is indeed the judge of the world. He says, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you? Now, on the one sense, Jesus absolutely is the judge over him and everyone, over the whole universe, right? He is the judge, but he's saying, in this instance, an arbiter, the way you would go to your rabbi to resolve some dispute or problem you're having, you're coming to me like that. Who made me the judge or the arbitrator in this? Jesus is saying, what? I'm not going to be dragged into this. Don't drag me into, the, into your petty squabble with your brother. You ought to be able to work this out yourselves. But while we're at it, listen up. Beware covetousness. Your life does not consist. Life is not all about possessing things and getting as much stuff as you can accumulate. You know, what's the old expression? He who dies with the most toys wins, right? Really, is that what life is about, to collect the most toys, to collect the most stuff? Now, I want you to know, I am not here to say it is entirely wrong and bad to have nice things. In fact, I think that, that God blesses us sometimes with nice things, doesn't he? He gives gifts, including physical, material things. I have been blessed with good things in my life. I know you have too. But the point is what? It's the attitude toward those things. And say, is that what life is all about, to try to just get as much stuff? By the way, how many of you have discovered, you don't have to raise your hand. If you want to, you can. But how many of you have discovered that the more you have focused on trying to get stuff and accumulate things, the more and more you accumulate, you find that, you know what? I'm really not that much happier than I was before I had this stuff. It's just it's never enough, is it? As John Rockefeller famously said, he was the wealthiest man in the world some years ago. He was, a, a, you know, billions and billions of dollars. And someone once asked him, well, Mr. Rockefeller, how much is enough? And he said, just a little bit more. <laughs> right? So you could go to uh, Jeff Bezos or Elon Musk or Bill Gates or somebody and say, how much is enough? And they might say, just a little bit more. It never ultimately satisfies. Why? Because we weren't made to be satisfied by that. We were made to be satisfied by God and our relationship with God. So stuff, or we can, we can fill, put all kinds of other things in there besides material possessions, they never ultimately satisfy. 
because we weren't made to be satisfied by those things. We were made to be satisfied by God and our relationship with God. So beware covetousness. Life doesn't consist. It's not all about getting more and more stuff. And then he gives a a parable. Here is a man who had been greatly blessed financially, a man who, who was a, a farmer. And in those days, well, and it is true today, that, you know, that they're, uh, to have land, to have plenty of crops, that brought a return on that. There was wealth in that, right? And it says, the ground of a certain man, rich man, yielded plentifully. So we were talking about this a little earlier this morning in, in uh, Wonder Lake Bible Institute. It said, uh, who makes crops grow? God. Now, the, the farmer doesn't actually make the crops grow, do they? Now, the farmer prepares the soil, plants the seeds, tends, cares for them. But in the end, that is something God, it is God who causes that miraculous process of, of the growth of plants and the, and the harvest that comes from that, right? But here was this man, he had a field, and he had, the, the ground had yielded plentifully for him. So he may have worked for it, it did his part, but ultimately that came from God, didn't it? That return came from God. And so now here he is, he has these things, but he doesn't see that. He's just thinking about himself and look at, my, look at all that I have. His crop was so big, his return was so big, he didn't have enough storage. His barns were too small to hold it all. Now had he been thinking clearly, you might think, wow, I have such a great harvest here. My barns aren't enough to hold it all. Give it away. There you go. Very good, Shelley. That's right. <laughs> Give it away. But no, what does he do? Well, I'm going to tear my barns down and build bigger barns to store it, right? It's like uh, we see this trend. Uh, I think we call them McMansions or, or something like that. Which sometimes in certain very desirable communities, neighborhoods, where people will go in and they'll buy like older homes and they'll buy the home not to live in it, but what? To tear it down and then, bra- and then build a much bigger house on, the, on, this, on that land there, right? Well, that's what he wanted. He wanted a McBarn, you know, here. <laughs> so he's going to tear down his small barns, build the bigger barns so he can hold all of his, all of his stuff. And then he thinks, ah, now and once I've done all that, I'm going to, loosely paraphrase, I'm going to retire and relax on the beach and collect seashells. Right? That's what he's going to do. I've worked hard for this. Now it's time to relax. Eat, drink, and be merry. Now this is a pretty worldly way of thinking, isn't it? And many people would think that same thought, wouldn't they? But then God challenges him and says, God calls him a fool. Boy, when God calls you a fool, you do not want God to call you a fool, all right? He says, God said to him, fool. Why? Because his priorities were all out of whack. He says, this night your soul will be required of you. Translation, what? You're going to die, and you're going to stand before me and give an account for your life. And then all that stuff that you've been accumulating, that you've been 
storing up. Who's it going to belong to then? His wife. His wife. There we go. <laughs> Very good. Mm-hmm. I could go off on a, on a line of thought here, but I, for my safety and all of you, all of us here, I'm going to refrain from that, okay? So, you fool! This night, your soul will be required of you. And then, who is all that stuff going to belong to then? And we know, Ron told us, right? So Jesus says, and so it is. That's how it is for the person who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. We're all like that man doing that foolish thing. If we're investing our lives and just accumulating more and more stuff instead of thinking of God first and God's values, God's priorities, heavenly mindedness instead of worldly mindedness. So don't lay up, that is accumulate. Don't keep accumulating more and more stuff for yourself. Instead, be rich toward God. Be rich toward God means what? Heavenly values and priorities. Heavenly mindedness instead of worldliness. We'll look a little more at that in a bit here. So beware covetousness. Now someone might say, but, but, but I have needs, don't you know? I need money, I need food, I need clothes, I need a house, I, I, I need all of these things. What do you mean? I, 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 have to, I have to be thinking about money and stuff. And so Jesus says, Luke 12, verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, therefore I say to you, do not Worry about your life, what you will eat, nor about the body, what you will put on. Life is more than food, and the body is more than clothing. Consider the ravens, for they neither sow nor reap, which have neither storehouse nor barn, and God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? If you then are not able to do the least, why are you anxious for the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. If then God so clothes the grass, which today is in the field, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you should eat or what you should drink, nor have an anxious mind. For all these things the nations of the world seek after. And your Father knows that you need these things. But 
seek the kingdom of God, and all these things shall be added to you. So beware covetousness, but then what? Trust. Trust in the Father's provision for you. Don't worry about your life and all the things that you need. Don't fret over those things. Your heavenly Father knows. He knows that you need these things. And then Jesus gives some examples, what we sometimes call the example, from the lesser to the greater. Here, look at the, the birds. Do they worry and fret? Are they building barns and storehouses? And, and yet, what? Your Father feeds them. I'll tell you, I've got in, in my backyard... Um, someone gave me a wonderful little gift. It was a little squirrel feeder thing. And I've got it on a, a tree there that's connected, uh, attached to the tree there uh, for the feed the squirrels, but also the birds, of course, you know. And so I have a mix. This is probably more information than you really care to know on that. But see, but I, I love the squirrels and the birds and all of that. And so I, I get this mixture of like the, the squirrel or the critter food and then the bird seed, and I kind of mix it all together. So there's something for everybody out there, Okay. So I put it out there, and I love to just watch them, you know. And it is amazing, though. There's, there's some lessons you can learn. These squirrels, how many of you know squirrels like to f- Even though there's plenty everywhere, they still like to fight, you know, over and, and keep like, oh, don't you get too close to me and my stuff here, right? You know, so I love watching them, like, chase each other around and, and do all of that there. But then the birds, the birds will come down, and so you got the birds and the squirrels and the chipmunks, and I've even got a couple of ducks that like to make their appearance a little later in the day there, you know, with that. So I sit there and I think, you know, your heavenly father feeds them. Well, I feed. Well, you know what? How is the heavenly father caring for those particular squirrels and birds right there? In part, through me, right? So how does the heavenly father care for our needs? Well, he's not limited, is he? He's not limited. There's all kinds of, he's very creative sometimes in how he cares for us and cares for our needs, right? And sometimes the way he cares for your needs is through somebody else that he puts it on their heart to be a blessing to you in that thing, right? So those birds, whether they're, whether, and, and I am fully confident that if I were to take that bird feeder down and never put any more out there, you know what? Those birds, those squirrels, they'll be fine because they'll be over at your house then probably, right? No, but they'll be fine, won't they? They'll be fine. So whatever our needs, you know, one way or another, you know what? If we're not, we don't need to worry about that. Now, I'm not saying that we shouldn't have concerns and we should be praying about these things, right? God knows these things but don't worry and fret over it. God knows. And one way or another, your need will be met. And in fact, maybe you might say how God has abundantly blessed you. You have all that you need in plenty, and maybe what your job now is to do, what? To be a blessing to somebody else. You're the one through whom God is going to meet someone else's need. So beware covetousness. That's another reason to beware covetousness. How can we be instruments that God uses to meet the needs of others if we're too busy grabbing onto it and holding it for ourselves, building bigger barns, 
not knowing that our soul will be required of us that night, right? The birds are fed, the flowers of the field are clothed. Of how much greater value and worth are you to the Heavenly Father than the birds of the air or the flowers of the field? So rather than worrying about that stuff, do what? Seek the kingdom of God and all these things shall be added to you. Seek the kingdom. Don't be anxious. Trust the Father's provision. But instead of focusing on meeting your own needs, focus on the kingdom of God. Focus on heavenly things. Focus on the call of God on your life. Seek the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you. Seek the kingdom of God means being focused on the things of God, being the kind of person that God calls us to be, doing the kinds of good deeds God has called us to do. It's about our character, Christ-like character. It's about the good deeds that God has prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Even before the foundation of the world, God had prepared certain good things for you to do. Do those things that are a blessing, that, that are pleasing to the heart of God, but are a blessing to other people. And by the way, this, isn't just, this doesn't just mean like giving people money and stuff. It may mean that in some instances. It's, what, it's encouraging someone, lending a hand to someone, coming alongside, praying for them. God will meet our needs, but we seek the kingdom. We seek to be persons who want to know Christ more than anything else and want to be like him, to grow in his character and image, who do the good deeds, the good things God has prepared beforehand for us to do. And then what is the the most important deed of all that we can do is proclaiming the gospel and building mature followers of Jesus, fulfilling the purpose God has for the church, right? Trust God. Seek the kingdom of God. God's values. God's priorities. Christ-like character. The good deeds that he has prepared before the foundation of the world for us to walk in. Seek those things and then all those things you're worried about, God is going to see to it. You know what? This is something that I can tell you. I have seen evidence of the truth of this in my life again and again and again. How many of you can testify to the goodness of God in providing for your needs when you, you knew you needed that, but you said, you know what? I'm not going to worry about it. I'm going to focus on what God says. And lo and behold, well, there it is. And how many of you are going to be honest like I am and admit that even though I know that, I can still get a little anxious, and then when God comes through, it's like, wow, right? I'm surprised. Are you ever a little surprised? I am. Should we be? No. So beware covetousness. Trust in the Father's provision. Finally then, we're told, do not fear, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell what you have and give alms. Provide yourselves money bags which do not grow old, a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches nor moth destroys. 
For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So lay up treasure in heaven. Beware covetousness. Trust in the Father's provision. Lay up treasure in heaven. Jesus says, sell what you have and give alms. Now, is Jesus telling us to sell everything that we have and give it away? Nobody's saying what? He's speaking to an attitude or a spirit of generosity that, yeah, might mean that sometimes we do give away. Maybe we sell what we have and we can give that away to someone, right? Who needs it? We should hold on to those possessions loosely. By the way, is your stuff really your stuff? No. It belongs to God. You and I are called to be managers, faithful stewards or managers of the stuff that belongs to him anyway. And why, what do you mean it's all God's? I work, well, because God is the creator of all of that. And you say, well, I worked hard for this. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure you did, but God gave you the ability. God gave you life and God gave you strength and God gave you wisdom. <laughs> all of those things. Ultimately, God is the owner of everything. We think, well, I'm supposed to give God 10%. Because that's his part, 10%. No, God owns 100%. And when we're giving back, we're not really giving God his part because he owns it all. What are we doing? We're simply giving up a portion of, what he, of, of his back to him. Who owns it all anyway, right? So be generous with others. Maybe there's something that you have that you know, maybe you really don't need that and somebody else could use that more than you. And lay up treasure in heaven then that does not spoil, where no thief can steal and no moth can destroy. He's targeting three areas of wealth in their day. Crops. What can happen to crops? They spoil, they go bad. Money, coins, gold. What happens? It can be stolen. Clothes. Clothes were a source of, of wealth or an indication of wealth, right? Clothes can get eaten up by moths. And that's how it is with all of the things of this world. They're fading. It's a fading treasure. So build treasure that's not going to spoil like crops do, that can't be stolen like money can. They can't get eaten up by, by moths like clothes can. See, heavenly treasure, that can't spoil or be stolen or get eaten up. Well, what is this heavenly treasure? Well, as we said, it's what? It's godly character and the good works which flow out of that character. God's priorities, kingdom priorities. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That in which we invest our time and money will show what we value most in life, doesn't it? I want to talk about uh, some attitudes. Jesus speaks to us about three attitudes that may need adjustment in our hearts too. Covetousness, anxiety, and then worldliness is seen in a, a fading treasure. Covetousness, anxiety, 
and the worldliness behind this need to accumulate fading treasure. I want to just suggest uh, three biblical counterpoints to those bad attitudes. First is the attitude of covetousness. Instead of cultivating covetousness, we should cultivate contentment. Boy, I just read, that's a tongue twister, isn't that? Say that one. Cultivate, don't cultivate covetousness, cultivate contentment. Say that one real fast five times, right? Don't cultivate covetousness, cultivate contentment. Love in Philippians chapter four, verse 10, said the book of Philippians is a Paul's thank you card to the church at Philippi that had been so kind and generous and helpful to him in supplying his needs. And he's writing them to thank them, and, and he says uh, he rejoices that now, that, that uh, I, I, in Philippians 4, verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity but he says, not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. By the way, isn't it interesting? He doesn't say, I have learned the secret of how to face hunger and need, period. He says, I've learned the secret of how to face plenty and need, of how to face abundance and need. Plenty and hunger, abundance and need. There's a secret. In order to be content, we may be facing hunger and need and we're not content. So we think, well, if I just have food and my and what i need then i'll be content but no you know you can have all you need and plenty more than you need but still not be content right ah so i've learned the secret regardless of the circumstances regardless of my need whether i have plenty and abundance or whether i'm hungry and needful i've learned what is the secret to that contentment verse 13 I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The secret is Christ, is knowing Christ and walking with Christ, trusting in Christ, trusting in the provision of Christ, trusting in Christ when we are in need and being content in Christ first. That's the secret, is Christ is first. We won't read it all here now, but if you, here's your homework assignment. Go after the home this afternoon. Read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 through 29. If you want to know what kind of circumstances did Paul face, how did he learn content, what did he have to deal with, and he learned to be content through all of that, read 2 Corinthians chapter 11. It's an eye-opener. And yet, he had learned contentment And the secret of that was what? Christ, knowing Christ, trusting in God and his strength to see us through all circumstances and meet every need. So instead of cultivating covetousness, cultivate contentment. Instead of anxiety, cultivate faith. 
Trust. Also in Philippians chapter 4, Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Let your reasonableness be known to everyone. The Lord is at hand. Do not be anxious about most things. No, no, do not be anxious about anything. But in most things, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Goes on to say in verse 19, promising here is a church that was supplying Paul's needs, and he says to them, a promise to them, and this is a promise to all who are putting the kingdom first and who are thinking of others first. Verse 19, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. So instead of covetousness, contentment, instead of anxiety, faith, and finally then that fading treasure, the worldliness behind it, the worldliness of fading treasure, eternal treasure, eternal treasure, eternal mindedness. Peter tells us then, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. You know the words of Jesus were resonating in his mind as he said those things, weren't they? So what? What should we do with this? Well, I want to remind us that big idea that Jesus calls his followers to beware covetousness, to trust in the Father's provision, and to lay up treasure in heaven. So I would challenge us then to here today, first off, just to actively cultivate contentment. What is the secret? Christ. Knowing Christ, walking with Christ, trusting Christ. Cultivate contentment. Trust in God to supply your needs. Don't worry, don't fret. Here's the other side of that. Maybe think about, hmm, how can I be the answer to somebody else's need, right? And finally then, adopt an eternal perspective on wealth. What true wealth is and having a heavenly mindset rather than a worldly mindset. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this challenge from your word here today. God, I pray that you would weed out, root out any wrong attitudes within us of covetousness, of anxiety or fear, of worldly-mindedness, that we would repent of those things, Lord, and that we would seek our contentment in Christ, in Christ alone, that we would trust your provision for us, that perhaps, Lord, we would be generous then with what we have to meet the needs of others, and that, Lord, we would put the kingdom first and be heavenly-minded, not worldly-minded, because we know our lives do not consist in the abundance of things that we possess. Teach us, Lord, what you want us to hear today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 
Thanks for listening to today's message. For more information about Wonder Lake Bible Church, visit wlbiblechurch.org.